You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. You know, this church is an answer to a very specific prayer that we were praying when we left North Carolina a little over a year ago. Um, we prayed, Lord, would you give us a church that was reflective of the community um, and uh, could it be close to us? Well, <clears throat> here you are, here we are. We are about five or six blocks away from here. That's close. And we just thank God for what he's doing here among you and among us. And uh, the heart that God has given our pastor and our leaders to, to spread the truth of Christ, the hope of Christ, uh, not only here in this community, but also places like Honduras. And so we just thank God for what he is doing here among us. This morning, um, I'm going to kind of talk to you about um, proclaiming Christ to the nations. Carol and I have been with a missions organization called Transworld Radio that has as its kind of its byline or its tagline, proclaiming hope to the world, speaking hope to the world. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but uh, I, I want to I talk to you first, first of all about God's heart for men to experience his great salvation. And then I'm going to talk about our part in carrying out that plan. And then God at work in his people to reach the unreached. Tell you a little bit about what God's doing in in the world today and and amongst the nations and share some of the things that he's doing. And then I want to come back and put our focus on what is our hope in Christ? What's the reality of that hope as I have been challenged uh, to do so? So it, it, it started in the beginning with this God, creator God, eternal, wanting to share his love and his joy that, that was just abounding with a new, a new creation, the creation of this world, the creation of mankind. And so this great creator, this eternal God, created the world, created mankind with um, this desire to, uh, this plan to uh, go ahead and, and share his love and his joy that he's had in abundance with us and, and created us in a way that there was peace, uh, there was harmony, um, and, and there was fellowship with him. And then you know the story. Along came the enemy, Satan, and deceived Eve, and man ch- chose to be like God, knowing good and evil. He chose to be the one who defined what good and evil was, and to live in making himself God that, and, and, and doing that which he wanted to uh, selfishly. And so it, it came in sin into this area, and, and it broke the fellowship with God, and it was a road that was going to bring now the judgment of God upon mankind. But <clears throat> God had a plan because man had no hope at that point. But God had a plan, but it was a plan that he had established well before he ever created anything, as the Bible says. Before time began, this plan was already put into action. He knew that we needed someone to rescue us because we could not rescue ourselves. And so he sent Jesus. And, and uh, through this, the death of Christ on the cross that, uh, where he took the place of our judgment uh, upon himself, um, he now g- gives us 
the ability when we turn to him in faith to restore that fellowship with him and then have the hope of, of that new creation in Christ where all things are made new and our ultimate salvation where we'll be again be with him uh, with new bodies and his glory of fellowship and, and experience all of his goodness, his peace, and his joy together in a new heaven, new earth. <clears throat> so as God was looking at that situation where man had, had moved away from him and, and now judgment was coming, um, God had an objective here, and that could be the next slide, there we go. <clears throat> God's objective was this, that he wanted people from every tribe, tongue, and nation to be before him, praising him for his great salvation, and, uh, and no just small number. We read in Revelation that there is a multitude without number that are standing before him, praising him for his salvation. So, by the way, this PowerPoint, I really wanted to get some of these scriptures up before you this morning. And my approach this morning is I'm going to go through a lot of scripture. Let the word speak for itself and and speak of the heart of God. Make a few comments as we go and, and pause in a couple areas. But I want to just read from you um, about God's abounding steadfast love. We were singing about this morning. One of the things, by the way, music group, I was asking, I said, would you, um, Holy Spirit, lead them in the songs they sing that will kind of go along with what I have to say? And God answered that prayer. So way to go, guys. Way to go, God, actually. <clears throat> Psalm 145, 3 starts out, it's great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Hey, there's a challenge for us, right? They shall speak of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. And I'm hoping that that will be part of what we do this morning. It's already we've been doing it in our songs, right? Now, here's the heart of God, his steadfast love. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Just focus a moment on that one word, abounding. God's steadfast love is not limited. It's not just dealt out just a little at a time. What's the word? Abounding. His steadfast love is abounding. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he's made. Let's rejoice in God's amazing grace. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared in Christ Jesus, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. As we are waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We sang about that this morning, right? Um, Okay, all of a sudden the words just left about... uh, um, seeing him face to face and, uh, and walking in, in love. He who gave himself to redeem us from all lawless, lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is God's amazing grace, his mercy. Now what's God's desire? God's desire is that all be redeemed. 
John 3.16 is a familiar verse. For God so loved, there's that abundant, steadfast love again, right? So God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, okay? So there's this judgment that's coming, but God says, I'm gonna provide a way, right? So you don't have to go down that path. And this is because of his great love. So God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And of course, we understand from the rest of scriptures that those who put their faith in him will have that, that redemption. And then Second <clears throat> Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, uh, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What's God's heart? God's heart for each one of all the world, each one in all the, to turn to him, to repent, to believe in him, so that they don't have to go through this condemnation, this judgment that is going to separate them from him and all of his goodness in a place that we would call, the Bible calls hell. And, and folks, if, as we look at our world, if we do not have a good grasp of what it means to be with him in heaven, that we are going to be there. Heaven is not, heaven is not about being free from, primarily about being free from pain, sickness, death. That's, that's not the primary thing about heaven. It's going to be with Jesus and all of his goodness all of his mercy, all of his love, which, as a side, <laughs> we'll no longer experience pain and death and, and all the things that sin has brought into this world. What makes heaven heaven is him. And what, we, what God offers to us in this life is himself. And we're going to see that as we go, okay? <clears throat> so... Uh, our motivation to proclaim hope in Christ comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one might receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, for the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their, for their sake died and was raised. Now, I kind of highlighted some things. I don't know, how's it coming on the screen? Okay. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we know this judgment is true and it's going to happen, right? And it's fearful. Think about being away from a God who is everything about goodness and mercy and, and love, to have none of that in a place where you're going to be without Christ. There's no hope. Everything is about you. And it's empty. So <clears throat> that with that knowledge of what's coming, we are looking to persuade men. And we're going to see how we're going to do that in a minute. Okay, and it's... But this persuasion comes out of the love for Christ. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. So the love of Christ is going to make a difference in us that has a concern, a compassion for those around us. And that, as it says at the end of that verse, it says that we're not going to live any longer for ourselves, but we're going to live for him, 
right? So all of a sudden it's taken, the, taken our focus off from us and put it onto others, all right? And then it says, following on in, in, in that passage, as we work together with him, that in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Who is he entrusted it to? Us, okay? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That means we are representing him. We are his voice, his hands, his feet here on this earth. Um, God making his appeal through us. Okay, who's making the appeal? We or he? He is, right? God's making his appeal, but through us. Are we involved? Yeah, we are. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. The message that we carry out, this message of hope that we have, is there is a way to be reconciled to God that we will be able to get that fellowship with him again, that we would have the life that he has intended for us to have, that, that we implore people, be reconciled to him. Don't keep going down the path that leads to destruction, that leads to condemnation. No, be reconciled to him. And that's, that's really a great deal of the message that we, we bear. You know, we just sometimes make it maybe more complex than we ought to, but um, God makes his appeal through us, and so we implore people, we plead with people, as it were, um, to be reconciled. And then it says this. It says, working together with him. Got that? Okay, who are we working together with? Him. Okay, so he's doing something out there, and he's given us an invitation. It's a command as well, I understand. But it comes out of a heart of invitation. Come. See what I'm doing. Know what I'm doing. Know me. Know my love. Know my grace. Know my mercy. Come and work with me. Okay? Now, he knows we're working with the supernatural. And this doesn't come natural to us. It's supernatural. It's not natural, right? And so... It is going to be something that is very much different than our own nature. And it's, it's difficult. There's discouragement that comes along, and, and uh, we're, we're in a battle here against principalities and, and against uh, the, the evil world. So as it says at the end of that verse, working together with, them, with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the God, grace of God in vain. What this means is this. Um, in fact, why don't we just go to the next slide. So, <clears throat> God says, I've got grace for you as you're working together with me. And, and there's many passages in the scripture. This is just a little quick glimpse of that. But there's just these passages in scripture that says God is going to um, um, give us, um, be with us, to, uh, he will be with us always. And, he, and he's going to give us strength. And he's, it says in Timothy that we don't have to be ashamed of this testimony. We don't have to be ashamed as we go out and proclaim this, this message of hope in Christ. Because he's given us um, the, his power and his strength to carry on and to proclaim that by his spirit. 
We uh, had the privilege of working in Afghanistan at one point in our lives as, uh, as humanitarian workers with a Christian organization. And uh, <clears throat> when we were in Afghanistan, it was a place where there was no protection but God himself. There was no security of any kind. Um, we were, at a, at a time when we were there, there were still rockets coming off the hills around Kabul where we were, that just at random being fired by the Taliban, and you never knew what was going on, or there was acts of terror, there'd be bombs that would be planted in places, and, and uh, you, everywhere that you went, you didn't know who, the, who your enemy was, who your friend was, um, and uh, it, it was a place where there was just a natural fear that could rise up over there. But God, in his grace, came along and said, David, I am with you. Carol, Carol was there with me too. I am with you. And, and he said to our spirits, he said, I am calling you to be sheep among wolves. And by the way, wolves have sharp teeth. They do. And it's uh, not a pleasant thing to look into the teeth of a wolf, especially if you're a sheep, right? <laughs> I'm calling you like a sheep would be put among wolves, completely in danger, right? And he said to me at one point, he said, take your eyes off the wolf, for I am your protector. I am with you. And that peace that passes understanding that came from that knowledge that he was with me. And he had all authority, as it says in Matthew 28. He's been given all authority in this world, right? And that authority gets put on us. And so, so here's God's grace towards us to work with him. He supplies what we need. But we got to take it. We could have let, let fear rule in our lives, but God gave us faith and courage, and we were able to uh, just be a part of what he was doing there in some small way. <clears throat> so God would have us to... Uh, I think I got missed that slide in my notes. <laughs> That's okay. Um, to... <clears throat> It's okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm going to turn and read my own slide here. Okay. Um, okay, so God wants us to be reaching all nations by all means. Look at those, look at those scriptures. <clears throat> this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I'm going to tell you about what God's doing in all nations. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, Paul, Peter, Paul, Paul says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And what I'm going to tell you is God is using his people in many, many different ways, using many, many different means to reach the world for him and, and to proclaim Christ. <clears throat> Could you bring on the next slide? I think I, okay, there we go. Um, one of the things that we have been, have a privilege of, as I said earlier, is working with a group called Transworld Radio. Transworld Radio is just one of the means that God is using around the world to reach the unreached, reach people that can't be reached by other means. And it's a ministry that's been around since like 1955. And uh, um, uh, we, God has given us Transworld Radio, given Transworld Radio and its leadership, 
um, a number of, 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 uh, of things to, to, uh, uh, to do in terms of how we approach um, people around the world with, with, uh, with the gospel. And one of the things we wanted to do, or that we were led to do early on, was to use someone who had as their mother tongue the, the, the language of the people we were trying to reach. And think about it, if you're listening to the radio, radio is a good way to do that, or, or something on a CD where you don't have a visual, right? When you listen to the voice, you draw conclusions, do you not? And so you can picture this person, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of listening to somebody on the radio and then meeting them. And you look at them, and you look at their, and, they, and remember the way their voice sounded, and they just don't match, right? But if there's a foreign accent of some nature in there, it's a barrier for people to listen because they're saying, oh, this is a foreign person trying to give us their God or the message about their God. So to, to do that. And then the other thing that, that God really impressed upon the leaders that, as they started the mission was all the programming we're putting together, first of all, is not going to speak against any other religion. It is going to, it's not going to be anything that's political. What we're going to do is we're going to pray, proclaim Christ. We're going to proclaim Christ. That genuine article will, will, will basically show the counterfeit for what it is. And so that has bought us a lot of things, a lot of um, um, favor in some of these governments where we've been broadcasting for years uh, to not jam our signals, to not to block us, and then God has used it to open up doors. But Transworld Radio has got um, probably about, I, I kind of lose track here, I think 16 high power sites where we use uh, transmitters that are 500,000 watts, even got some million watt transmitters around, um, just high power that reaches, reaches places distant from where we're broadcasting. And for those of you that might have a little technical uh, savvy, we use the ionosphere to actually bounce the signal down to where we want it. So we can, we can put a signal two, three, 4,000 miles away from the transmitter at times. Um, so the, the, the whole thing that got Transworld Radio started was um, Spain happened to be a country close to the gospel. That you couldn't get Christian workers, you couldn't get Christian missionaries in there. And so uh, Dr. Paul Freed, uh, who started the mission, um, said, we're going to reach those people, and the only way we can is radio. And so they began that ministry. And so God has continually opened up the door. How do we reach the unreached? How can we reach those that uh, uh, where, where there's such opposition, political, religious opposition, that we can't get uh, missionaries in? Uh, Christian workers are, are having great difficulty, and, and so... Um, God has opened up the door to um, preaching the gospel the, uh, through the world. And you can, you can see kind of the coverage and where, where's most of it? <laughs> it used to be known as the 1040 window, right, in missions. But the, the greatest area of concentration right now happens to be in the areas where Islam is flourishing. And, and to... Uh, um, have people follow Christ in these areas certainly will bring upon great persecution, often death. Um, in Afghanistan, if you were to become a Christian, your family had the permission to kill you. I mean, they could kill you. It, just, it happens. And uh, so um, 
how do we, the, the, the goal or the, the thrust of the ministry these days is how we can effectively reach the, the Muslims for Christ. And uh, so um, a lot of our initiatives are, are, are aimed that way and God has given us great favor in places. We, what we do as an organization is we go into um, these foreign countries and we negotiate with the government to use one of their broadcasting facilities. And oftentimes these, well I can tell you, these transmitters for the most part are in, um, in Islamic countries or Buddhist countries. I mean it's in it, those that don't have Christianity as their faith and usually it's with the um, understanding that we will not broadcast in the languages in that country. So they want the money, we need the exposure. And so God has allowed us to have transmitters up in, in, the, uh, in the stands. Uh, Kajikistan is, is one of the places that we have it. Uh, in West Africa, we have in, uh, in West Africa, we're in an Islamic country as it, as it is in, in, up in uh, Central Asia. Um, in uh, Sri Lanka, uh, where we broadcast up into India with it's now 1.2 billion people and it's 427 language and dialects and there's still some counting going on, <laughs> okay? Um, that's a Buddhist country. And uh, uh, God has opened up a door there where we can broadcast up into most of India through that one. Uh, that one. He's now just opened up a, a, another door up uh, in, in Central Asia where we can uh, reach up, reach into, into got to think here, Western China, <laughs> uh, Northern India, uh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, that area of the world where, where the spiritual warfare is huge, okay? So God's been opening these doors for us, um, and, uh, uh, and the cost of doing that is high. Think about being a speaker from, let's, say, let's just say a speaker from uh, Iran, who if he's going on the radio, we need to sometimes put him through a voice shaper so his voice can't be identified. Oftentimes these speakers that are speaking into those areas have to be undercover and so we hide them. Um, there's places where people are putting a program together in their home and then sending that information out now via the internet or maybe a little USB drive um, so that we can broadcast it back in. The cost is high. But again, the spirit is at work powering these people and, and uh, giving them the courage and, and his word is going forth. Um, one of the things that I have been really uh, rejoicing in um, and amazed at is how God takes his people and, and I've been in the technical round, right, round, uh, realm in Transworld Radio um, and working right now with their internet pro uh, product but uh, the website uh, but um, as I've been working out in the, in, the, in the different areas of the world, God has opened the door for us to be in Bonaire and in, in Swaziland, Africa, and over in Singapore and Guam. Um, but seeing how God takes his people and he gives them ideas, he gives them strategies as to how to reach a group of people that isn't being reached with the gospel. And the spirit of God takes the skills that have been developed and the minds that he has given them and these men and women put together the technology that it takes to get a, 
get the message into this group of people that isn't being reached in some way. Um, so one, one of the examples of that uh, is that when, <clears throat> when we were in Central Asia, uh, one of the things that they do is that they take and, and sell these phone cards out in the open, open marketplace, and, and these phone cards give you time on your phone. And they, you get charged for only outgoing calls, but not incoming calls. And so somebody came up with the idea, why don't we have a server out there that somebody could call and, and hang up on and then um, uh, have the server call them back? And then they can, they can listen to their phone and they can choose off, off from a menu what they want to listen to. And so these guys put all this together and, and it's got it working in one area so that people who wouldn't, didn't have the ability to pay for the internet or pay for that bandwidth can now call and they can get the message of the gospel. Putting things on these little SD cards. I don't know if you remember years ago in China that there are people that have to try to smuggle these suitcases with books in them, right? And uh, um, now we can get it in with this, these little SD cards that you can put into your phone. It can contain hours and hours. It can contain the whole Bible and music and sermons and training, right? Uh, so using the technology is a way that God has, has allowed us to get the message out. Again, the power is not in the technology. Yeah, we've got a million watts. We've got 500,000 watts or whatever, right? The power of the gospel, the power of Christ, his word as it goes forth doesn't return void, right? And so yeah, God's word um, bears fruit. He, when he sends it out, he says, it will bear fruit for me. And people are responding. And think about being in a country, pick one, in the Middle East someplace, where even listening to the gospel, if they find you listening to it, you could be... be um, punished in some way or put in prison, right? But when you've, when you've got a radio signal going in, they can sit there and they can listen to the radio without anybody else hearing it. And they do. God's at work in amazing ways in the Islamic world. We hear reports of, of people having um, dreams that direct them to somebody who has the gospel. And there's sometimes even dreams that that present Jesus to them, that cause, him to, cause them to seek him. And there is a church, there is a church in the Middle East and in the Islamic world that is growing underground, because it has to be, but is growing. And it's amazing what God is doing through all kinds of ways. We, uh, we have a website that's got 70 languages on it, where in the, in the technology, when somebody comes into our website, it looks to see what the language of their phone is or their operating system, and it gives them a page, uh, the opening page in their language automatically. They don't have to go through English. It goes right into their language. This is God breaking down those barriers, right? This is God at work. And, and uh, so it's interesting that, that uh, the, these, um, where we're getting most of our, a good deal of our traffic is coming out of places like India, uh, Bangladesh, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, Brazil is a big user out there, but from... 165 different countries out there, we've gotten responses where people are coming to our website. But there's something else going on in our world today. And that is, there are people from all different countries moving to other areas. You've got these refugees, people that are being driven out of their countries because of violence and, and so on. And, and uh, um, 
they want to hear something in their own language. So um, they can go onto the internet and find something in their own language. They can find the gospel in their own language. Just like you, if you were to go to, to uh, pick a country, uh, maybe some of you know French. I'll just pick on the French for a moment. <laughs> um, when you go there, you want to hear something in English, right? Because French is meaningless, right? Or some words, most words may be meaningless, right? <laughs> yeah. So we have, there is such a movement of people around the world right now. Refugees, just think of what Arab Spring brought about, right? And all the refugees fleeing from Iraq and, and, and Iran and that area. Not Iran, Iraq primarily, right? Um, one of the things that you need to know as we look at our world is that, um, as we see all this upset, is that God is at work in at least two ways. Two, there's two ways at least we can count on. One is that God is going to be is at work bringing the gospel to people or people of the gospel. The story that we heard in Afghanistan, and I won't go into it, but you can ask me later, and it's, it's quite a story, is that when the Russians came into Afghanistan, there was 1.5 million people that left that country. Previous to that, there was a group of people that, that had been praying for years for, for Afghans, for ministry or to get into Afghanistan so that um, people could come to know the Lord there. And, and it just wasn't happening. Russians came in, these people left, and guess who they, uh, who was there waiting to minister to them when they left that country? It was Christian missionaries, the Christians were. They were the ones that had the hearts. God was bringing people out. All the people that are leaving Iraq and that were leaving Iraq and, and these, these areas that are under such turmoil, the, <clears throat> here's God giving us the opportunity, many of us the opportunity here in this country to um, bring the gospel to them uh, in a time when they when they are hopeless, um, God has just has just put on the part of His church to um, reach the unreached in big ways. With computers now, it's it's far more easy to put together a Bible in a language because there's you can put just the rules of the language in, and the computer can help you out in terms of bringing it into into reality. And so. Uh, groups like Wycliffe and, and, and others who are working at, at uh, um, translating the Bible are, are able to do it faster. And those number of unreached languages are getting down. And, and there's uh, this, gen, this new generation that's coming up um, has, has been challenged and is responding to go to places where things are hard and to reach some of these unreached groups and to give their lives. God's at work in his church to reach the unreached. And it's happening. Yes, there's a battle that's going on. The opposition is, is growing. Um, next slide, I think. <clears throat> so we're facing, we're facing growing hostility to the gospel and to Christian work. Um, this is not unexpected because we're told in the scriptures that... Um, um, we are, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities, against authorities, cosmic powers, uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, the battle's grown fierce. The internet has probably been a, a great help for the, for the other side to know exactly what we're doing. Missions have a tendency to say, hey, here's an opportunity we need to raise money for, and so where'd it go? It goes out on the internet, right? And there are people out there watching 
and saying, where are they thinking about doing? And they're out there trying to oppose that in many cases, right? So the internet has been kind of a disadvantage in that way. But the, the hostility is growing and people in missions today typically are not going out in the old standard of going to the, the village and, and, and sitting with the people and learning their language and so on. That's happening. But now it's more like, let's, let's go establish a business and use that as the focal point of, our, of a witness in that community. Um, and uh, um, yeah, God's at move in those areas. So um, it's, it's changing the way that we do things. Um, I, I love 2 Timothy 2.9. Here's Paul in prison, chained like a criminal and, and opposition to preaching the gospel. And he says, when he gets done, he says this. He says, but... The word of God cannot be chained. And every barrier that these countries put up out there to the internet, to a broadcast, or whatever, whatever barrier they're going to put up, God's word cannot be chained. The spirit cannot be chained. He's at work. Um, <clears throat> let, me, let me tell you a story about a transmitter that's going into West Africa. <clears throat> We have been under an, in negotiations with this government for many, many years to get a license for this a new transmitter to be reached primarily up into Nigeria, where all the Boko Haram are and, and just the, the radical Islam um, uh, up in that area. And uh, um, we just we get it to the point because you've got to develop relationships with these with these government officials. And so we're, we're at the point where we had that relationship established and it looked good and all of a sudden that official got changed. Another government came in. And that happened many times. And so it took years and years of praying and saying, Lord, what's it take? Finally, we got that license. And then it came time to get the transmitter there from the U.S. And so we got, it came, went out in two containers. And so the first container went out of the U.S. just fine, but then it sat in this country for months, not moving in customs. Then the second container got hung up in the U.S. customs. We never had that before, that kind of red tape. They wanted to know every piece that we had in that container, what its cost was and what it was going to be used for. Never had that red tape before. And so there it sat as we were trying to figure out, what do we do with that one? There was uh, one of our staff members was at a particular um, Christian conference of broadcasters. And, and um, as he and another man were walking down the hallway, there was approaching them uh, this man uh, had, had on the name tag of the, of the conference. So they figured he was part of the, what was going on. So they stopped and had a conversation. Well, this man happened to be from Nigeria. And they began to tell him about the issues we're having with his transmitter. And this man from Nigeria stopped them and he said, let's pray. So that man began to pray and prayed powerfully. In fact, the staff member says, when I grow up, I hope I can pray like that. But God was at work in this man in his prayers because 30 minutes after he got done praying, we got word from that country that that transmitter had been, that container had been released and it was on its way. The next, yeah, praise God. The next morning, we got word from the, from the U.S. Customs that the, trans, the, the other container was released. The question is, why with all the prayer that was going on, why was there no results from that? Why did it take the prayer of this one Nigerian? There's no real answer to that, but I think one possibility 
is that God is going to take that man from Nigeria and he's going to do something with that knowledge and that prayer that will be something that will open up doors in Nigeria that we have no concept of, right? God's at work in the nation's people. Whenever you see all the upset that's going on out there, God's at work in the nations to bring about so the gospel can go. And I could tell you story after story, but I'm kind of limited on time, of how God is at work in the nations. He will not be stopped. He will not be defeated in having people from every tribe, tongue, and nation standing before him, experiencing this great salvation, experiencing his love, his joy, his peace, experiencing him for eternity, a place of joy, a place where we are going to just live as God intended us to live when he created all of this to begin with, right? In a new heavens, new earth. That's the hope that we have in Christ. Um, Let me talk a little bit about the reality of our hope in Christ as we kind of get to the end of this. When I was putting together a presentation to a couple of churches that support us here a few weeks ago, as I was looking at our byline that we proclaim, we speak hope to the world, it began to raise some questions in my mind. Can I really define this hope? What's the reality of my hope in Christ? If I'm to proclaim, if I'm part of proclaiming hope, where is it? Is, is, it, is, it, is it firm? So I began to go through the scriptures, and, and uh, there are 76 references to hope in the New Testament. A good deal in the Old Testament, too, but in the, in the New Testament. So I started going through the scriptures. In fact, if I were to put them all up on the screen, we'd be here for another hour at least, just reading through them, right? And it began to say, I, I, Lord, if, how strong is that hope in you? How much do I think about the hope? How much do I think about your return? How much do I think about being in in heaven with you and what all that means? Now, I'm doing that more as a 71-year-old. I've got to say, I'm thinking a lot more about eternity right now than I did when I was younger because it's a lot closer. I mean, we all, it it could be the next breath, right? But I mean, we all, you're just kind of looking at, okay, yeah, I don't have that many more years to live, so I better start thinking about eternity, right? Um, in, in greater ways. Um, so, um, <clears throat> I, um, I really was challenged to come to grips with my, the intensity of my hope. Where, where was it intense? Was it, was it focused or was it distracted with other hopes? Okay. And uh, so, <clears throat> I, mean, I, I had to define what biblical hope is. Okay. Faith in God and his promises generates hope which then brings about an expectant confidence that something will come to pass because God has promised it has come to pass. Now, it differs from the hope of this world, right? The hope of this world says there's something that may not happen. So I hope that... that, I I hope that the roads are not crowded today, (laughs) okay? Or I I hope that my car is going to make it to the next gas station, right? There's always always uncertainty in the way that we use hope in our culture. But when it comes to Christian hope, it's done with certainty because 
we put faith in the God and God and his promises who says, I am faithful. My steadfast love is there and he is faithful to his promises so we can have expectant confidence. And hope is the active ingredient. It's, it's the living expectation of the soul of the one who by faith obeys God and desires to know him and his, and his blessings on their lives. Um, I, I think I've said this to some of you before, but in these last years, it's come more and more in my spirit, this, this prayer of Paul, Lord, that I might know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. What's in your heart? Is that something that reflects in your heart? It's that, it's that growing of hope. Lord, I want to know you. It's about knowing him, faith in him, and resting on his promises. I, I love, this is a quote from off the website, and I, I put this together in a hurry this morning and kind of missed some of those things, but <laughs> um, let me get to it here. Hope, acting in faith, moves us to act and willingly endure whatever it takes to bring that promised outcome into reality. See, hope is all about a desire. You have a desire for something, you put your hope in that desire, right? And it's, 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 it's an active thing. It's, it's hope, acts, and faith. So just a few scriptures here. I'm going to go down through them fairly quickly and then, and then come up with a challenge. Okay, living hope that moves us to action. Thank you. You're doing well up there. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> First Peter 1, 3 and, and following says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his what? Great mercy. Right? He has caused us, who's at work here? God. Right? God has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I want to focus on that. This isn't a dead hope. This is a living hope. This is a hope that's alive today. It's a hope that has effect on today as well as tomorrow. It's a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. I bolded a lot in that verse. I should have bolded the whole verse and said, look, <laughs> this, is, this is important, folks. This is really important stuff, right? What about this inheritance? And I'm going to let you define that. But get out there, folks. And my encouragement here is I'm hoping to open the door, hoping, okay, there's that uncertainty, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that it opens the door to your thinking to say, where is this hope in me? How alive is it? How alive is it, Right? Uh, what is this inheritance? Well, it's imperishable and defiled and unfading and it's kept in heaven for you. Who? By whose? By God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. All right, God's power is there. Here's that grace that he's offering to us. Don't let it go by in vain. He said, I'm there. In this you rejoice, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is, that is our greatest hope. Is there is that restoration, there is that new heavens, new earth, and new bodies, so on. Okay. Therefore, it says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope how? What's the next word, folks? Right over there. See it? Set your hope fully. Do you see it? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that fullness of hope in just a minute. One of the passages of Scripture, and, and some of you know that if you're in our small group, because in Bible, men's Bible study, is 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, 
verses two through four, that God has given us these great and magnificent promises. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us how many things? All things which pertain to life and godliness, all right? Here's the promise. He will provide all things. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Okay, again, it's through the knowledge of him. Get there in a minute. By, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. The things that God promises, folks, are great. They're beyond anything that we can understand. But he's granted us to that so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Okay, there's the Holy Spirit within us, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And, and I didn't put it down in my notes, but I'd like to have you go read that passage and think about it because it says, now add to your faith, be diligent to add to your faith or to let your faith grow in these areas. And it goes down this list that include things like goodness and, and virtue and and uh, godliness and, and love and brotherly affection. It, it sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit when you really look at it. And then there's a promise that comes after that. It says, if you practice these things, if you practice them, you will not fall away. But it goes on, and then the other promise is, but you will have a rich entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Folks, I want a rich entrance. Not for my sake, but for the glory of God. It's that... It's that Understanding that assurance that is there. Well, moving on. Here's some, here's some scriptures that we're encouraging uh, as, I, as I go. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Okay, Christ in us is the basis of our hope, as it said in Second Peter. To them, that is his saints, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might have just a little bit of hope. What's the word there, folks? Abound. To bound in hope. The Holy Spirit within us as we, as we grow in that knowledge of who he is, as we see it, his supernatural um, uh, power in our lives where we can love people that we can't normally love. Um, as we have brotherly affection for people that have, we, we have personality conflicts with, okay? Uh, that's part of God breaking down those barriers in his spirit. When we, when we go through those experiences and, and find that peace that passes understanding and all that, we grow in our knowledge of God that, that our hope is real in this life, okay? <clears throat> Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in that. And his, this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Again, this is how we know God. He pours out his love and, it, and we, don't act, we don't act selfishly, okay? Um, but rather have genuine uh, care and hope for other people. All right. Then Romans... Um, uh, genuine hope brings endurance. And this is really important. Um, it keeps us going. Romans 5 again. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory. Folks, I hope we, I hope, 
My desire for me is that I, I grow in that rejoicing, in that hope. Not only that, it says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Whoa. Okay. Now it gets heavy, right? But we can. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. Okay? And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Oh, these great and magnificent promises that are there for us that we can go on. So, let's move on. The reason for our hope needs to be clear. We need to have thought this through. We need to be grabbing onto this hope with both hands because, as it says here in 1 Peter 3, it says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Okay? Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, that means people are going to slander you, people are going to attack you, those who revile your good behavior in Christ might be put to shame. So here's a question. Why would somebody ask me or ask you about the hope you have in Christ? Why would they do that? Hmm. Well, if you're talking about it, that would be a good reason for them to ask, right? But what's in your life? What's in your life that demonstrates that hope? What would they, what would they, what would they see that would say, why, why are you so different here? Why aren't you reacting out of revenge when somebody hurts you? Um, why, aren't you um, why aren't you worried about losing your job? Um, why aren't you worried about the stock market crashing and all your savings going? Right? What is it that they would see in the way that you act and think about your hope? So in the... <clears throat> Um, spirit of Pastor Ted, I figured it would be good to have some kind of a visual, right? So what are the things that we hope in, that could hope in, that are distracting to the hope that we have in Christ that would give a confusing message to those that are around us about that hope? Well, one of the things that comes to mind is I couldn't find a toy house for my grandkids' stuff, so I had to bring a picture, okay? Is we can put hope in houses and lands, Right? Um, how about this one? This is a picture of our family. We can put hope in our family or in relationships for our happiness. Whatever, whatever makes us happy. Uh, oh, I, I guess I got it up there, right? Whatever man trusts or hope in, from that he expects happiness. Where are you looking for happiness? Are you looking for happiness in your family? Are you looking for happiness in your house? Um, why not? Um, oh, here's one. Hmm. I wonder if he says anything. Anyway, how about this? In our culture, and I'm, here I am, 71, Getting moving along in years, right? In this retirement culture that says, put everything away that you can put away so that when you get done, you can go out and have fun, you can travel, you can live in comfort, 
you can do whatever you want to do and, and just enjoy life, right? What's in your bank account? How much when that disappears for whatever reason? What would be your reaction? You know, we are, we are f- having a storm going on right now coming up into Louisiana with predicted rains of 20 inches or more. You know there's going to be flooding. You know there are going to be people that are going to lose everything. And it's interesting when you around people who have lost everything, what their different reactions were. Carol and I had an opportunity to work with Samaritan's Purse up in North Carolina with that hurricane that came in a few years ago that brought such flooding in our area. And, and as we worked with the people that, uh, that as we cleaned out their houses, we had to pull out all the stuff that was wet, the sheetrock that was wet, we, everything came out of that house, went out to the street. And, and the different reactions of the people that were there were very interesting. But there was one that I just went, thank you, Lord, for your people. There were two ladies, they were sisters. And, and basically, the water had come up by, I don't know, three feet or for whatever. It, it basically wiped out everything that they had. And they came and joined the team that was actually taking all this stuff out of their house, and they were singing. And when we asked them about it, they said, you know, this is just material stuff. This isn't what makes life. And, but they were singing, and they had faith in Christ. And I go, okay, there's a good opportunity to ask about the hope that's in them. You understand? Well, when I was young, I went through a lot of cars. <laughs> you know, just that status of having a good car, though I was buying Nash Ramblers, not a lot of status in those. But I was, I was putting my hope in, to have happiness in what I drove or what I had. I mean, these are things that we all battle. Um, and uh, health, sports, whatever. We, we all have hopes for our teams, and, but they can be, they're fine as long as they don't become life-controlling, right? But the ultimate is hope in Christ. That's what we want to strive for. What's in your, what's in your hope bag today? The, the reality in our culture, the thing that has distracted the church the most is hope in riches. I want you to look at the, the instruction in 1 Timothy 6. It says, as for the rich of the present age, and that's us, say it, it's me, okay? When, you go, when we go to Honduras here in a few weeks, a week and a half, week, whatever, uh, we know we're gonna see poverty. We've seen it elsewhere in the world. We are rich. No matter how much you have in this country, for the most part, you are rich. I mean, there are those that are not, but we are rich. Charge them not to be haughty or to do what? Set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Everything that I've been describing is uncertainty. It can all be taken away in an instant. And then what? But rather, it says, when we have hope. But set it on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's not that we can't enjoy what he gives us, but there's something about that enjoyment that's different. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Folks, God God has for us. is Life as he described it, he says, I have come that you might have life in that abundantly. Okay? I've come so that you would share in my joy. My joy, he says, I give to you. 
right? This is, this is what God promises us. Don't settle for second, third, fourth, fifth best, right? Life is not found in what we have. It's not found in our relationships. It's, it's found in Christ. And then from that point, what God gives us in terms of relationships, what he gives us in terms of houses and lands, we are content with and we say, thank you, Lord. He's the one that supplies all that we need for life and godliness. And we say, thank you. And we are experiencing life as he would have us to experience it. How about your hope? As a concluding, um, setting our hope fully in Christ, 1 Peter 1.13 says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, okay? When you leave, prepare. <clears throat> Be sober-minded, clear in your thinking. Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We read that. And then, here's our hope. Here's our ultimate hope. Romans 8, chapter 1 and 2. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's a hope for now. The Holy Spirit within you says, I have life. My divine nature I put in you. I've given you a new heart, given you a new desires. Take my grace, find me, find life. Let's pray. I'd like to pray the prayer that's found. Apostle Paul prayed um, in Colossians chapter one for you and for me, okay? So here's the prayer that I, I would offer in closing. Father God, I ask that you would fill us today with your spirit and that we would grow deeper in the knowledge of your will and and grow in that spiritual wisdom and understanding that only you can bring. I pray that we would always honor and fully please you and that our lives would produce every kind of good fruit for your glory, that we would grow in our knowledge of you and be strengthened by your glorious power for all the endurance and the patience we need and that in your joy. Lord, may we be filled today with your joy, always thanking you for enabling us to share in the inheritance belongs to us because we're yours. Those of us who live in the light, rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of your dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgives our sins. Lord, may it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.